Greetings, friends, conversationalists. You are in the right spot uh, from 2 to 3 every weekday here on News Talk 840 KXNT. What's right with Sam and Ash? And um, I'll tell you, for some, it's Monday today. Monday, a Tuesday dressed as a Monday. For others, uh, you worked yesterday and, uh, and you're judging the rest of us who took the day off. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Ash, you had a good time? Yeah, I had a good time. I good. think there's also a hybrid approach. There's people that their office is closed, but then they still work. So they get the best of both worlds. You know, they don't have to have the regular pressures of a Monday. Well, they the, get to ease into their work week. That's true. The, uh, the pressures of a Monday will not be coming uh, to the Tigers on the strip, the show that was supposed to. Uh, well, the, the, the hearing for this, this show, whether or not the Board of Supervisors were going to allow, uh, the county commission were going to allow to have the show in place. So I guess. The word is that the operator of the show has decided to withdraw his application. No live tigers back on the strip. I regret to inform you. He, he um, I think he saw the writing on the wall. Mm. I think he realized that this was not gonna, not gonna fly. Well, that's a bummer. I mean, I feel like we can always use another adventure on the strip. I think we, we a sanctioned tiger would be nice. A sanctioned tiger, is a, <laughs> right, as opposed to the black market kind. Uh, so anyway, for now, it looks like there will be maybe other animals, not tigers. Uh, that's the word there. And Alec Baldwin, he's finally allegedly given up his phone to law enforcement. Took him out a month to do it. Uh, he probably heard the legal advice we gave him last week to uh, to turn it over or else uh facing i i you know we, we talked about it last week a little bit you don't comply with these government subpoenas you're going to jail so i maybe somebody threatened him finally said you got to turn up with that phone today pal uh or we're going to issue a warrant for your arrest yeah it, i'm surprised that it was allowed to be strung out as long as it was uh frankly that's surprising and you know we deal with this is a criminal matter right now it's a criminal investigation whether or not he will be charged in New Mexico for his conduct related to this sh onset shooting, where we deal in the civil realm, which is all money damages. There's no criminal charges. There's no threats of fines or jail time. I understand not being willing to turn over your phone to the other side because you have a lot of privacy concerns and you have a lot of confidential information that the other side's not entitled to because you, you know they're only entitled to a limited scope. But here in a criminal investigation, they, I'm just really shocked it took this long. Well, it's Alec Baldwin. How he much stuff thinks, do you just think he deleted? Oh, my God. I, <laughs> he's like, got to get these nude pictures off, get, get all this. I mean, he, he, was, he was sanitizing the phone. He was probably getting rid of, like, it, deleting his, like, really alt-conservative Twitter account that he doesn't want anyone to know <laughs> he has. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, you're right. He probably has a, he's got an alter ego. It's like a Finsta account that he wants no one to know about. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Uh, could be, uh, but regardless, you do that kind of stuff, and it, in in the event that you begin, well, well look, the, the phone itself is evidence. So any changes that he made after the issuance of the subpoena, and frankly, even before, as lawyers, we can tell you don't do that. Uh, you can be charged with a crime 
they may not be able to even prove the original case, the underlying case. Exactly. Uh, they can still charge you with, uh, you know, with, with obstruction of justice even, not just uh, not just evidence tampering. Yeah, so. absolutely. I was going to say that point, that even if he is as innocent and squeaky clean as he claims, um, by do by delaying or potentially deleting anything, if he did, that could cre- it will create its own host of crimes and create his own problems. So we, I hope he didn't do that. All right. Well, we'll follow what happens there as time goes on. All right. You're coming out of COVID. We're all finally, hopefully, there's some <laughs> end in sight. We see a glimmer of hope on the horizon. We also see airplanes on the horizon. Because some of us, I don't have anything planned right now, but some of us are hoping, I bet this year, to finally take a vacation. And yet again, another curveball coming straight at us, and this has to do with cell phone towers. Now, when I saw the news about the sash, I thought this is... This can't be even real that there are a, a, a whole host of airlines that are canceling flights right now because of a concern that 5G, right, the newest and latest and greatest, fastest, uh, uh, you know, mobile phone technology a frequency uh, is interfering with the altimeters on certain airplanes. Now, I've, I've, seen, I've seen a list published of all the airports that are on the – you know, on the FAA's list of concern. And I feel very bad for Harry Reid that really one of his first places where his <laughs> name appeared as the titular uh, head of the, of the of aviation here in the Valley, <laughs> Harry Reid International, it's right there on the list. All, a lot of major airports on there, including LAX. Um, I, I believe, I believe, uh, JFK is on there, big airports all affected by this. And there's been this push and pull, right? You've got the FAA saying we need more time. So two weeks ago, we didn't cover the story then because it was just, all right, we need two weeks to figure some things out. The, the, the cell phone companies, right, the usual suspects, you've got Verizon, AT&T, they went and they said, look, we, we need more time. So the, F, so the FAA came to them and said, we need more time. And they said, okay, all right, we'll hold off on turning on these towers that are near airports for two weeks. Now the FAA, the government is saying we need even more time. And the, the, the cell phone companies are going, well, wait a minute, you guys have known that this tech is coming for two years. We've told you about it. Where was your preparation? Yeah, I think that's the most shocking thing. This was supposed to happen on Wednesday and a letter was sent yesterday. That's terrifying. If, Mind-boggling. If there, if the airlines are saying there was a potentially a hundred thousand passengers that could have been altered, their flights altered, delayed, canceled, if this, if these towers were turned on, and then that doesn't even include cargo planes. Can you imagine? Like, what if the airlines just didn't do anything? They're like, okay, fine. You want to turn these things on, and you're not, FAA. You're not concerned. We're not concerned. I mean, that's who was the like who. You know, who called whose bluff? Well, they can't just, the airlines can't just fly, you know, contrary to the FAA's directives. So the FAA issues these advisory, um, not a, not even opinions, they're advisory notices, um, air notices, you know, uh, they're to, to airmen, to all pilots. And the, the pilots, uh, they're, therefore the airlines have to follow this. 
And so the FAA is the one who's issued these guidance letters saying, all right, well, if you have, if they're, if you're operating in a 5G area, which now all these airports are, and I'm looking at the list again, yeah, it's everywhere from LaGuardia, San Francisco International, uh, Chicago O'Hare. Wait, you've seen a or, list that tells you which ones have their concern about? Yeah, and they literally oh. almost every, literally, I think it looks to me. Because I, when I was Fresno, looking, Yosemite, even you can't even fly to Yosemite. <laughs> you can't go to Fresno without you know having your airplane flying to them. And and the, the 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 truth is right. This this all to me this tech is preventable. And the reason I know it's preventable is because, gosh, there's I think twenty or thirty countries in the world that all have deployed five G before us, and they've all figured out how to make this work. So why are we once again, you know, a day late and a dollar short? My, we meaning the, the U.S. US and the federal government that moves like molasses. Yeah, that's that was the giant takeaway from this. Well, one, I was glad I wasn't flying on a Wednesday that it went and it happened. But two, I just was shocked at how behind we are. We like to think we're leaders of industry in the world, and it turns out we're really not. We're slow, and we're not. We're kind of just being lazy, folks. To give you just an idea how how behind the ball we are when it comes to transportation, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we began introducing something called GPS to airplanes and making it mandatory. In other words, we were, we still are right now because they're blending in. This is ADS, it's called ADSB compliance. We were just beginning to get into a few years ago mandating that airplanes have, you know, systems that work off of GPS and not just off of radar. We were using essentially World War II technology to keep track of airplanes. It's, it's unreal. And by the way, what that does is very inefficient because then you require, because radar is not as precise, it requires greater distances, both, you know, both, you know, in, in height and also in distance um, from, from airplanes from one another. You can't stack uh, airplanes as easily on, on, on landing and takeoff and all that good stuff. So just crazy stuff. By the way, I, I do want to say this. When we come back, there, there's, and, and it's just too bad this is radio, but I'm going to share something with, I'm going to get Ashes. Uh, impression. I'm going to show her a video that might explain why our transportation uh, oversight in this country is is challenged. Uh, I, you'll enjoy this. Don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> okay. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840, KXNT. Sam and Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Sam and Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. What's right with Sam and Ash here on News Talk 840 KXNT talking about the 5G crisis airplanes set to be dropping from the sky. Well, not really. Hold hold on. It's probably not going to be that bad. Um, apparently, I've just read here that there is, in fact, some form of a buffer around Harry Reid International. We can breathe the collective sigh of relief, but no, wait a minute. The FAA still says uh, that there could be problems. Now, the 5G signals coming from these towers, cell phone signals. Apparently, uh, the FAA believes that they could interfere with the instrument that tells the pilot how high the airplane is. Apparently, that's kind of an important gadget, right? Yes, I think we've learned a lot about how important those gadgets are. So you got to know where your airplane is. uh, And 
and I, our pilots in the audience right now are, are cringing, <laughs> uh, because at any given time, you could run it, you're, you're flying an airplane in fog, in low visibility, in zero visibility conditions, you got to land it, and you need all your instruments. And any interference with those instruments is, um, is, is a problem. Now, one thing I keep thinking of in this whole story is, remember how long they would tell, they kept telling us, you can't use a cell phone I was in the airplane. That too. Yes. You can't use an airplane. And remember, you used to not be able to turn on your, your phone yeah. until you got to the gate and the yeah. door opened. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, well, you can, you can turn it on as soon as we land. And the, the, the supposition, of course, is um, that, you know, you, 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 the, you no longer, there's no longer a problem. You're on the ground. You don't need to use any of the sensitive equipment. Mm -hmm. Now, how many people every I was day one of them. leave their phones on? Me. Okay. So did any of those airplanes fall asleep? And, and I understand, I understand, look, if all 300 people <laughs> on a big airplane have their phones on. Yeah. But... You know, I, then I remember, you know, you remember talking to our friend, Jim, yep. who we, you know, should probably have, if this, if this keeps getting more wild, we have a very close friend who's a pilot, very, very experienced, tens of thousands of hours, uh, you know, jet pilot. And he, you know, you'd ask him, okay, okay, is this okay to turn your cell phone on? And if you're in an airplane, the question everybody has, he's like, oh, please give me a break. Of course it is. It's fine. It doesn't do anything. I remember this. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, so now cell phones are a problem. Got it. You know, when they told us we couldn't have airplane mode, none of that worked. It was a, really not a problem. I remember early on when I turned my phone on too soon, I was like, oh, is it going to affect, is the pilot going to know that I turned my phone on? But So I, what, yeah. what you need to know about this is it's probably much to do about nothing. One. Two, it's the government, again, screwing with your vacation. Uh, and any future plans you may make. They did it in 2020, they did it in 21, and here 2022 is, uh, they're running out of uh, COVID excuses and they're coming up with, with 5G. By the way, I told you before the break, Ash, I would explain to you where I suspect some of the problem lies. Uh, remember, this is the FAA. The FAA is a government agency. Oh. Oversight of the FAA comes from uh, Congress, right? And yep. you have a... You have a well you, in the White House. You have a transportation secretary, but but in Congress you've got a transportation committee chair. Now the guy that was the transportation committee chair was like a thousand years old. Okay, and he's retiring. Mm -hmm. And when I say thousand, he's like late eighties. Was barely moving. I think the replacement uh, is Eleanor Holmes Norton, who is a congresswoman from uh, Washington D.C. By the way, she doesn't get to vote on any legislation because she's from D.C. and you don't get a vote when you're representing D.C., right? So taxation with that representation, boo-hoo, that whole, <laughs> you know the story. I digress. There is a video that a congressman named Thomas Massey, who's wildly opposed to Eleanor Holmes Norton being uh, considered to be chairwoman of the Transportation Committee, has put up, and it is of... Eleanor Holmes Norton trying to park her car. Ash, I as a man cannot comment on a woman driving. I will let you do it, and I'm going to play the video for you right now. That is her. Oh, my goodness. That is her in the, in the little car. Okay, so oh, she's literally – describe what you see in this video. It's – you know those – 
parking lanes where all the slots are slanted in one direction and she has gone in directly straight perpendicular to the curb it looks like she's hit the red car on one side and she's hitting the the bmw whatever that is on the other side yep and she's if this was a herringbone pattern it's like there's one herringbone stitch one one stitch that is going the other direction I recommend we're, we have to tweet this out from the account because this is fabulous. Do you think that a transportation secretary should be, or, or a, excuse me, a, a transportation committee chairwoman should be able to park a car? I, well, this yes. is this is embarrassing. It's so bad. It's also just a really poor. It's a it's really a testament to how she doesn't understand geometry, or angles, or anything. But or yeah. arrogance. If you can't, if that's how bad you drive, don't drive. Take the take public transit. Get a cab. This is arrogance. You know, this is typical. Just you know, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm in Congress. I get to, and she's been in Congress uh, since before I was born. I think she's been there forever. Before cars. Uh, yes, <laughs> before cars. Good I feel bad. I feel bad for the person that looks like they got out of the car and was trying oh, to help. And I thought he was going to repark the car. See, I did he's too. walking away with her. He's probably an aide, somebody that works for her. Yeah. And they're just they just left the car. Just like that. Imagine coming out to the curb and then that's your red car got got smashed. He should have reparked it. And they didn't leave a note. That's the worst part of it. She did, notice that she doesn't even leave a note. Terrible. That's not what's right. We're gonna yep. We're gonna resurrect the ash bowl of the week, and that's who it is. Don't if you hit someone's car in a parking lot, be a good person and leave your information. Now, speaking of good information, there is, and we, we're attorneys. We like to get into the the legal aspect of things. Uh, there is a story. It's actually a bit of brouhaha, all originating from an NPR article, National Public Radio. Uh, yes, so when NPR is not busy putting you to sleep, uh, they come out with these very long and wordy articles, news about stories, and, and, and it's then left to pragmatic, intelligent people to decipher them for you. And digest them. And the big article uh, over the weekend was about the Supreme Court and how the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, is apparently very fractured right now. And there's a number of the justices, you know, there's they're hearing big cases, right? You have the mask, uh, the excuse me, the uh, vaccine mandate cases uh, that the, uh, the uh, where they released uh, what their holdings last week. Mm-hmm. There's word on the street, according to NPR, that the justices are very grouchy with one another. Over what? Well, I want to get into that because, as usual, I think the reason that they give in the article is, is BS. It's not ideology, right? They're, they're talking about how it's ideology. And for mm. years, the court has been at odds and has been fractured, and there's been a huge ideological rift. But you know, you and but then you had relationships, famous relationships that that you know express uh, an ingrained congeniality, uh, such as one that existed between uh, Antonin Scalia and RBG and yeah. RBG. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia couldn't have been more on, further apart on the constitutional law spectrum and how they interpreted constitutional law. And instead, they were the best of friends. They would go to Broadway play, when, right? When I think they, there's a picture of both of them riding an elephant together, well, which I think was a tremendous amount of outreach on the part of the Ruth elephant? Bader Ginsburg as a, you know, as a Republican symbol. Or maybe oh. she felt that she was pulling one on Scalia that, you know, that uh, 
um, you know, she she got him to uh, to to degrade the Republican symbol like that. But no, they traveled. They went to the opera together. He even took her hunting mm-hmm. once, which she didn't, I think, find particularly amusing. But nonetheless, uh, they they had a friendship. Now, today on the Supreme Court, according to National Public Radio, that type of, I don't know, collegiality and congeniality is hard to find. Now, I think there's a, there's a response to that that makes sense, an explanation that you and I, all of us, can relate to. Because we're experiencing right now in our own lives ourselves. All right. Don't want to go anywhere. Let's listen to some news and come back for more Sam and Ash on News Talk 840 KXNT. Alan Stock here. I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AM840 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 8.30. So stay tuned in because you deserve what's right. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT. Regrettably, no live tigers are used in this act. Uh, <laughs> here, yeah, here in our downtown Las Vegas office or on the Strip, were we to ever relocate, uh, I guess that could be a backup to the to the law thing. Ash, we could just say the Sam and Ash um, tiger show. Uh, tiger show. Or well, I've know, always said, you know, lion, Vegas lion country safari. Vegas is full of great duos, you know. They've got Siegfried and they had Siegfried and Roy, Penn and Teller, I mean Sam and Ash. We could just turn into a magic mm, act. We could. Um, it's what, you know, people. Um, well, we kind of do that right now. We 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 uh, conjure justice to come and uh, enter into people's lives where they need it. By the way. Uh, I've talked to a handful of clients this weekend. I'm just going to say something here before we we get to more pressing things. If you've been in an accident, you've got to call a lawyer right away. Don't try doing it on your own. So uh, talking to someone who literally uh, tried for like a month, going back and forth with the insurance company, talking to them, giving them all sorts of information, signing, you know, these forms, these health, you know, release forms. And at the end of all of it, like literally they were not giving them anything. They weren't getting anything for all that, turned over a lot of information. And they just, it, the thing that they told me, said, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I know I'm legitimately hurt and I know I deserve compensation. I'm not looking for a lottery win. And so I think there's this misconception that lawyers are, you know, if you want to win the lottery, if you want a big, you know, settlement, lots of money, that's what you call a lawyer for. And that's not true. If you don't, if you don't hire, they've got lawyers, they've got adjusters, they're looking to minimize what you get. So I, I don't care if, you know, if it's a fender bender or you got mauled by a loose tiger, 
I mean, I was from I, the strip. Yeah, I always talk about the scales of justice. You know, that we're the balancing <laughs> weight to the the giant five hundred pound gorilla of the insurance companies that are in the room. And if you don't put a a lawyer on your side of the scale of justice, they're just going to catapult you off of it. They're going to cannonball cannonball on their side, and you're going to get launched off of it, and you're not going to get get what you deserve after it. So yeah, yeah, I've never talked to anybody in the last ten years who has told me, yeah, I, I worked at the insurance company and here's what they're <laughs> offering. Um, they're offering me $1,000. What do you think? I, I've never said to someone, you know what? Wow, that's a pretty decent offer. You need to take that. Um, that's never the case. Mm-hmm. But they know that if they offer bad money 10 times, that you know, the, the, that if you know, three, out of seven, three out of 10 people hire a lawyer and only maybe one of those hires a good lawyer, they're winning on those numbers. The insurance companies are winning on those numbers all day long, right? They're saving, they're paying virtually nothing seven out of 10 times. And, and that's, uh, that's good for them. All right. Digressing. I just had to say that because it's, no, you're right. It's been, it's been frustrating. So the Supreme Court of the United States, we lawyers, Ash and I, all practicing attorneys, especially for trial lawyers, we look heavily to what the Supreme Court does. And not in, even in a political sense, there's lots of decisions that are not political at all that are important to our work as attorneys. So the, the Supreme Court, that's the, that's the, that's where we, you know, and always the decisions are, you know, if nothing else, well, you know, well-written and well-reasoned. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's sort of our, our ongoing uh, legal education because the law laws do change and they evolve based on how they go up through the courts. So watching the Supreme Court and what they're doing, very important to me, very important to Ashley and every other attorney that, that practices law. All right, big to do. NPR and now other outlets are are reporting on this that the Supreme Court is fighting. The justices are fighting each other. They're mad. And they're all mad because Justice Gorsuch is not going to wear his mask. He's not wearing his mask. <laughs> and he's, oh, and Sonia Sotomayor is, you know, she's got diabetes and she's a susceptible person. What would Rush call her? Rush always called her the wise Latina. I always thought it was so funny. <laughs> the wise Latina. She won't, so she won't even show up in person. The last round of oral arguments, she sat in her office and listened in and spoke through a microphone. I'm picturing something like that scene in the haunted uh, haunted mansion at Disneyland, where the disembodied head and you know the voice box. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I think they've. I think that the press has it wrong here. I think that the the issue here is that for for a year and a half, just like all of us, the the court has gone through and tried to work. Well, not tried. Has been working on a remote basis. The justices have not been meeting with great frequency as they have in the past in person. Mm -hmm. And so when, look, when conversations, especially difficult conversations, move from in-person to email, they move from in-person to video conference, they they, they become, they become, less meaningful and less likely to result in in collegial bonds being developed. You've got all these, got a handful of new justices, I think at least one or well, two, 
that came on during the pandemic or, 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 or just before mm -hmm. the pandemic have spent most of their tenure under pandemic restrictions. And, you know, and, and, and so you've, you've got, you know, where before collegiality developed because they were forced to sit at a table at a conference table and talk things through, which, you know, frankly, we all could be doing a better job of. Now, Sonia Sotomayor can say, well, I have a pre-existing condition and I'm not going to be there. And, and we're all supposed to go, oh my, oh, poor Sonia Sotomayor, because Gorsuch isn't wearing a mask, she can sit it out. This may not be a popular opinion, but I, we all know people that play up their susceptibility to COVID, fine, whatever, some legit, some less so. And they use it as an excuse to hide. It's just my opinion. And avoid direct, you know, communication and confrontation with people, which is, I think, essential to understanding people who are coming from a different place. Right, left, up, down, right, wrong, whatever it is. You you have to talk to your coworkers, you have to talk to your customers, you've got to talk to your your spouse, your significant other, your kids. And there the court hasn't been communicating the way it has for hundreds of years. And so I think the result here is not because Gorsuch isn't wearing his mask or because the because as NPR says, because there's all these new conservatives on the court. <laughs> these conservatives, it's the liberal justices are like, eh. no, it's because it's because they're they've all been yelling at each other by email. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. One of the fascinating things I saw on Twitter, I saw this article come up and I was looking, I always go to the comments, see what people are, have to say on Twitter because it's a fascinating place to live. Uh, a lot of people were like, he's the one that should sit out. A lot of people on Twitter thought Gorsuch should have to be the one to phone it in because everyone else was willing to wear a mask for Sonia Sotomayor. So he had to sit out. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not how this society works. The, like that, and I, to me, that's what we're looking at right now as a greater country where we are all, but we all went on a lockdown for this fear of the pandemic, spare the, um, the people that have pre-existing conditions or comorbidities. And that was the reason why everyone was to run out and get vaccinated. Don't do it for me, do it for like your neighbor. And so this is actually a really interesting view of just kind of a, a, a little experiment. I saw so many people that actually thought Gorsuch was the one that should have stayed out. And I disagree with it. I think this is, uh, he should have a right to not wear a mask. And if she's concerned, she has a right to do the hearings remotely and listen to oral arguments remotely. And that's, that's what's the beauty of America. But I agree, all of these digital barriers from communication and human interaction are not good. And they, they make it easy to be gristly and, and there's room for misinterpretation. You know how you send a simple text, you know the, I always say the okay or the K, over text how everyone can think misinterpret that like really like well you hear it by the way i think people <laughs> myself included or me included i should say um we we hear things the way we want to hear them mm -hmm. so if we think that you know if i think that ash is pissed at me an okay reads to me like an okay <laughs> right okay okay <laughs> is how i'm hearing it <laughs> 
And then I'm That's like, how it was I'm like, sent. screw her. What a, what a, what a nasty beezy. Why is she sending me a mean text? She doesn't mean it. The same, same is true for email. How many times have you gotten an email from somebody and you're like, wow, they're nasty. And then you get them on the phone and they're like, oh yeah, sorry. I wrote that really fast. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, da, 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 da. and you go, what, what, what was I even, what was I even doing? Wasting energy being upset. Absolutely. But this is why friends we have we have to get this the this is all part of the collateral damage that covid mitigation has wrought upon us well and said. and and i i can't stress this enough we're scarring a generation of youths youths can i say that yes that have been forced to wear masks and we got these do good liberal left wing nut job politicos hand ringing going oh we need to the virus the virus no look these kids are on the playground and they need to learn how to smile they need to learn how to frown they need to learn how to take social cues anybody for example i'll bring this up because i i you know i grew up in in irvine and it's one of the school districts public school districts that's a leader in working with uh youths that are either autistic or at risk of autism and I've, inter I've had a chance to talk to a number of teachers who do this professionally, that work with young kids with autism, teaching social cues. And everything over the years I've heard about autism, we're literally, we're literally robbing young people of developing that, uh, we call it emotional intelligence, that is you know, for years has been considered, you know, something that has to be worked with and, and a sign of autism, among other things. And it's, and it's crazy. And all of a sudden, we're like, no, COVID is more important than teaching children how to socially interact with one another. And they and yet, of course, you know, the statistics, you know, the, the percentages of, of kids that actually get sick or, or, you know, what it's, it's just absolutely bananas. And it and 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 so you're right when it comes to Sotomayor and all this stuff on the court. We've, we're, you know, colle collegiality is important. It has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with COVID. Uh, but they are, you know, but but politics and COVID, you know, of course, have have married and have done all sorts of damage to us as a society. Well, yeah, my, you know, my best friend's an occupational therapist, and that's what she does day in and day out was work with special needs. And a lot of those kids are autistic and they're learning those social cues and they rely on interaction and reading smiles and laughs and frowns. And and when all of the rules and restrictions came out with masks, social distancing, she was just like, I can't teach them like I, this is legitimately yeah. you've made my job 100 percent impossible. So very frustrating for our children. Absolutely. How many times has your dad argued in front of the Supreme Court? Four. Four times. He's four. Does he have any good stories? Yeah, he's got great stories. He's got some <laughs> great stories. He has the quill. Like, it's one of the things when you sit at uh, the table to argue your case, they always have a, an, a traditional quill there. And so he has those. Do they have the bird from which they removed said quill? Or? Well, I think those are the turkeys living up at Mount Vernon. Oh, yes, the pardon to <laughs> turkey. You're pardoned. You just, you, you, but just excuse me, we're going to need a couple of feathers from your tush. <laughs> All right, you're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. Sammy on the spot, up next.
This is What's Right with Sam and Ash, and it's the last segment we've got here, and all we're going to do is the Sammy on the Spots, where I give Sam an article and see his uh, blind take on it. Are you ready, Sam? Blind take, ready to go, squirrel prepared. (laughs) All right, the headline, Bugatti, first electric vehicle is... No. You don't want it? No. I was going to get it for you for Christmas. (laughs) Tell me more. Okay, now we got it. We've piqued his interest. Got it. Okay, so Bugatti, the the supercar manufacturer, is coming out with its first electric vehicle, like many other high end luxury brands are doing. They're shifting their focus. Um, do you know how fast this electric vehicle is going to go? Are you asking me a top top speed top or zero, speed. zero to sixty? Top speed. Oh, so Bugatti's. The gas-powered ones uh, are like 250-mile-an-hour cars. They're actually 304 is one of the top official speed of the Bugatti Chiron. Oh, it's 304 miles per hour? Yeah. No. I'm reading it. I'm, I mean, wow, fake fast. news. Okay. Fake news. All right. So, okay, so the electric car has to be a lot. Electric vehicle. Okay. Electric vehicle has to be more than that. 18 miles per hour. They are coming out with an e-scooter. That is Bugatti dipping its toe into the electric vehicle world. 18 miles an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, color me floored. All right, so there's 18 miles an hour electric vehicle. I should have been paying attention. All right, so what, can I ask this? How much is this um, Bugatti scooter going to cost? Great question. They haven't mentioned it, but we're going to pull some comps here because they exist. Apparently, who knew? I actually should have. I mean, I would have known. For, you, is this a scooter like a yeah, like, like a two wheeled electric vehicle scooter? Like the little, kind you see around downtown that people yeah, ride like around? Bird scooters. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Do you want to guess how much? What other luxury? Are there any luxury yeah, companies? Lamborghini has one and Ferrari has one. And those are our two comps. Okay, so a basic electric scooter, to my recollection, is something like 250 bucks. Same with okay. my recollection. Yeah. So a Lamborghini version of that, eight grand. $600. That's it. No. 530 pounds in the UK. Do the tran. Do yeah, the- okay. Okay, Ferrari. Last year, they launched their own branded model, which is the one I would want, you know. So. Can you race in it? slowly yeah (laughs) scooter racing i'd like to we'll do a little a grand prix around the arts district in them that's perfect okay Okay. so how much is the ferrari one 2500 that's more in line with what i was expecting i know i know i was actually so the bugatti one's going to be 25k i i was actually thinking it was yeah that's going to be because you you guys have to understand these bugattis the chiron i think it's the the, most expensive yeah it's a two million dollar car I mean, these are just insane, insane money. I don't think it's the most expensive production car, but or maybe it is the, the most expensive production car because you've got some some Paganis and other stuff that is, is insane. But, um, but, but I would expect that the scooter, if if the if the Ferrari one is three grand, you know, plus minus, then I I think that the Bugatti one's going to be a lot of money. Close, I was thinking close to twenty grand. One of the cute features on it is you know how a lot of the cars when you open your door. They'll put a little light down on the ground so you can see the ground below you, and they'll put their logo on the mm-hmm, ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bugatti's doing that on its scooter. The rear tail light will flash the light, of the logo, the Bugatti logo onto the ground. So you know what? I, I'll tell you this: don't take it to Los Angeles. Don't take it to San Francisco. 
because that, first of all, every hoodlum will be aware of what a Bugatti scooter is. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have like a giant rob me sign on your back, you know, scooting, scooting around 18 miles an hour on your, on your Bugatti, your $20,000 scooter. People are going to get, I mean, I don't think anybody would be stupid enough to take this actually out on the street because if you did, um, you, you're gonna you're gonna be the victim of a violent crime. Yeah, it's gonna be 2022's version of the white headphones. Don't you remember that Apple came out with the iPod and it had the very like it was one of their signature looks, the white headphone strap, and people were swapping them out for black ones because they didn't want people to know they had a $300 iPod in their pocket. Don't yeah. you remember that? I mean, that was back when not that many people had iPhones. Yeah, it was or, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. expensive, rare, and if you had the white headphones, everyone knew what they were attached to. You had up to a thousand songs in your pocket. Just think. It was four gigs or eight gigs. I free, I mean, it was just a, a maybe just one gig. I know it wasn't. Tiny. It, was less, it was tiny than that. I, I don't know. The, but I, ha- I still have my original iPod. Really? I got one. Oh wow! Yeah, I I haven't charged it in a while, so not sure it works. But do it you was, even have a charger for it? I do. Okay, that's oh, yeah, critical. I do. I have got I've got the old FireWire charger for it. Yep. Wow. We'll have to see what Sammy was listening. We got to do a show. We're gonna we're gonna fire it up was, the old iPod. Yeah, and we we'll just play it. Yeah, and see see what. So there we're is. gonna we're gonna switch to music format uh, on <laughs> KXNT. We got to talk to Odyssey about this. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll have Ash. I'll have you. In a I'll be a DJ. Yeah, I could do it. But hey, so I think Bugatti's little dabbling into electric vehicles kind of, I think it's probably much more European than here. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Ash, I think tomorrow we'd like to get into the question of China. 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 You know, there's a prominent star, basketball star, I believe, who said, Who cares about the genocide in China? And then we have news about the Olympics coming up in China. Mm -hmm. A lot of concerns. I want to get into it tomorrow. We'll see you all here. Same time, 2 to 3, News Talk 840 KXNT. Hit us up on Apple iTunes, uh, podcasts, and Spotify to catch the show.